0: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of Backyard Relief. I'm Alex. I'm Cody. And tonight we're joined by our good friend, Rodrigo, and we're going to talk about personality types and what that means for the individuals in the workplace and in personal life. Um, So, Rod, why don't you give us a little bit of background um, on your education and what makes you the most qualified person to talk about personality types.
1: So, thank you, Alex. I got my undergrad degree in psychology at Vanderbilt here in the south and i started learning about personality very early on in my academic career i was fascinated by it and it was it seemed a lot more fun than learning about psychosis or maybe other more negative psychotic disorders and it seemed like it could apply to almost anyone but what struck me the most was how little i really knew about myself especially at that age yeah and this seemed like a tool for me to be able to explore that. Okay. But I also was able to use it with others. Yeah. So I would pull personality tests from the internet and give it to my friends, and then just have these long-winded discussions about what they were seeing on the page. But when I say, you know, a test from the internet, I don't mean like, hey, what, what character from Twilight are you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is not a Buzzfeed article, is what yeah. you're saying. Right. There are things that make a test good in a scientific sense that make it able to predict things that make it so that you are talking about something real so I started learning that very early on and I pushed and pushed on that and I tried to make it what I wanted to do so I then got into the stats behind it all and it's actually very fairly complicated Um, there's this procedure called factor analysis that kind of undergirds all of it which i'll go into that later so So there but they're like actual like you can
0: quantify a personality in like there's a metric that that will actually define what personality type you are by like how i guess you would answer a series of questions or something like that like you can actually quantify that right um it's the only way to do it i would say Realistically, realistically like without it being like a horoscope or something like that like to give you an accurate answer on it, it would need to be like an official study type thing is what you're saying.
1: Right. There are um, a bunch of factors here at play. You probably you need a sample. You need to have variance in that sample, which means that people need to be differing in how they answer these questions. Yeah. And that kind of fuels the whole process. And then what factor analysis does is it discovers patterns in all these different variances yeah. that you're seeing. So, like, you know, give this item to... Group A, and you can see that it's higher than Group B on it. You start to notice these patterns. Um, so I was very fascinated by this, and I know I'm trying to explain the science as I'm explaining my history. So I'm just going to rush through my history. <laughs> um, ended up getting my minor in stats, and then moved on to New York University where I could use these in assessments in the professional field. Yeah. So then I could start maybe saying, hey your group A is ready to do this, while your group B isn't ready to do this um, in the workplace. Or maybe for assessing leadership qualities, you can say this person should be in the training group, this person should probably stay in their job longer. So there's applications for this everywhere. And if you want to look a, a more common explain, or people who do this, insurance. Really? They categorize people. Netflix categorizes people and they use that to predict like um, what you're gonna want to watch. What you're gonna watch. What you'll be interested in. What you know, whether you're gonna die in a car crash, young. <laughs> it could be any of these things. Really? And
0: so I mean, are they out there like giving these person like are companies giving these personality tests to their employees? Is that, that's a absolutely.
1: Thing? Really? And have you I mean, have you ever I've, had to I've never had one. I've never heard one of that. One of the before. most common ones is Myers Briggs.
0: I mean, i I've heard of that test before, but I don't know that I mean i'm sure i probably you probably had me take that before i haven't
1: so that actually was a sticking point for me because i would have these very in-depth conversations with the professors and they'd be like dude low-key myers-briggs sucks ass and then i would talk to other professors who were not in that field and it seemed like there was this inside outside like if you knew myers-briggs sucked you were inside and if you thought it was the best you were outside and the reason is Myers-Briggs is used in teamwork settings to uh, you. You basically get a personality type. I think there's e. There's four letters you get. So I could be an ENTJ, which means I'm extroverted. I sense things. I I don't know, but it classifies you into like over six, different
0: like a spectrum. Uh, no, not a
1: spectrum. It's not a spectrum. It's that's the problem with it. It's okay. not a spectrum. It's categories, and there's 16 different categories. Oh, okay, gotcha. And people are able to relate to each other better. Yeah. And so they get this feeling of camaraderie and feeling of that this is just the truth because it seems to be working for me in a work environment. Yeah. But if you ever try to predict anything, which is what the end goal of this is, is you're trying to predict outcomes, Myers-Briggs doesn't predict jack shit. Really? It's actually illegal to use it to hire people.
0: Because it's like just not reliable? it's it doesn't give an accurate picture I guess
1: so one of the fundamental principles of this is reliability Mm -hmm. if I measure you once are you are you gonna have the same level if I measure you again a month from now now would that
0: matter if like you'd seen the results of what it said it should like retesting like you're like oh man I scored high on all these things but that's not
1: who really who I think I am so I might change my answer next time it shouldn't the questions themselves should be filtering out your self-perception
0: Oh, okay, I've, yeah, I mean, I guess I've heard about questions like that whenever, I want to say it was when I was taking the GRE or was doing something, like, it was supposed to, like, be able to give a consistent, like, whether you really understand this topic over a, a long range of things, like, by asking similar questions in a different way, so that way you're not just trying to, like... Oh, I answered this one question like this before. I'm going to answer it again like this again. You're not supposed to differentiate, like to be able to know that the questions are alike. Right. And that way, it's giving like okay. an accurate. I have picture. done
2: many of those. It's yeah. Very annoying because <laughs> I feel like I've already answered the question. Why am I getting yeah. asked this in a different way?
0: So that just mean that that's a it's bad one. It's just coverage.
1: Okay. So what you every question has a, a a predictive piece and an error piece, and what tests do is they average all the questions together. And what should happen is that the error pieces disappear and you're left with the predictive pieces. Mm-hmm. And your reliability is totally tied to that because if you have good reliability, that means your questions are overlapping enough to do that. And oh, then gotcha. validity I mean, that makes sense. is another term you should know. And it's like its ability to predict things or face validity if it looks like it, it's predicting what it should. For example, if I'm trying to hire you to be a manager at a shoe store and the questions are about dancing You might say this test is invalid so there's there's these very key terms but there's not that many of them yeah it's pretty easy to get into this but i guess the point i was trying to make is i was trying to find something better than the Mm myers-briggs but it was very difficult the alternative to the myers-briggs is called the big five so what i was talking about factor analysis earlier um about getting Seeing the patterns and all the all these data, yeah. It imagine if you had all the personality tests in the world, or most of them. Mm-hmm. Most of them narrow down into five groups after you do five uh, a factor analysis. Okay. So it's almost like you can either go this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, this way in personality. Like you only have five ways you can go, and they're fairly independent of each other. Yeah. And they describe most of uh, most of. Other personality tests because for a long time from the 20th century from like 1900s to like 1980s people were just making a buttload of personality tests anything they could think of there is a masculinity femininity test there is um, I mean a test of whether you're likely to be a home uh, a sociopath anything you could name but there is no common ground to talk about them all so the big five serves that purpose so then everybody started using the big five as a measure of personality and now we have we can compare across studies yeah so, so the big five is that are you saying there's only five personality types it's that if i had to broaden it at that level or if i had to narrow it down to that level it'd be five so, so like maybe if you have because what it's you're saying like a is pyramid
0: yeah well like you you can't can you score like super high on all of them or does like scoring high on one would that like cancel there... out with the other
1: one like because you scored high on this you wouldn't score high on the other one so they're fairly independent which so that means your score on one shouldn't matter on the other on the others okay and to your earlier question uh you can have facets below it or aspects below it and you can have meta traits above it so it's the big five at that level but for example it, it you can sum it up by calling it plasticity and stability which would be the the giant two, is what some researchers call it
0: okay so you can get more in depth or less in depth I guess with the test the more you like try to break it out
1: right but it's still there. the same space the big five space okay gotcha that makes sense so I learned I used to give that to my friends and it was still pretty difficult to interpret what the hell I was trying to say or what they were measured what their measures meant um i'll give you the names of the big five so we have extroversion mm-hmm. agreeableness neuroticism conscientiousness and openness to new experience so you're you're some level on all those and that's it basically and how
2: long does it take for you to figure out you know which one of those someone is me personally
1: just from looking at them i mean if
2: you're like just like, saying yeah, someone in like your so job
1: like there's actually a study they let these people into other people's rooms for about 5 minutes and then ask them to mark a questionnaire and they were able to predict the personality of the other person. So it's kind of very upfront and obvious? Yeah. But so you could tell by looking at someone almost I or just I by spending put, a, a
0: short amount of time with them? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you should be able to at least most people should be able to do that subconsciously. Yeah. If you're, you know, within norm, normal bounds of empathy, yeah, I feel like usually like so this doesn't if somebody take training at all, like it doesn't take
0: <laughs> long to know if somebody is like a jerk or whatever. Like, in it, I feel like it. I don't know. So like
1: here's it, another thing: most adjectives people use about each other tend to be a mix of two of the big five. Yeah. So jerk would okay. be high extroversion and low agreeableness.
2: Yeah. So like, you would you know in a sense jerk would be like almost the same as outspoken maybe but or more in a negative sense, not not the positive sense. Because they're not agreeable. Right.
0: Okay, so now I guess we've established that Rod is very, like, way more qualified to talk about this <laughs> than Absolutely. we are. Uh, so with that being said, we, so we know there are multiple personality types in the sense of the big five, like you said before. But what does that actually mean for, like, because a personality is, like, the conjoining of all these things and like kind of where they line up so like are there are there any like certain like i i don't know the good a good word for it but like would you be able to look at somebody's results and see how they are and say this person is like in this category and then you know another person may score really high on other certain things and then they're grouped into another personality I, I guess the biggest thing like are there actually defined personality types I think that's what that he you was saying earlier like group A is on.
2: ready for this and group B is not ready they need to that would to be more back. of a research
1: group okay so it's like that's how you establish this in the first place is by looking at difference between those research groups yeah um but that's a good point um as to your question that's more of what it was before like type A was I think scientific jargon at one point. So this it attempted to like cut through all that? So now yeah when we have these conversations in science we just talk about the factor it falls under instead okay. of instead of using types that not everyone because it's universal everybody's using it. You have people in Greece, people in China, people in Japan using the same big five measures. So we, I guess we've established that there's not
0: like grouping people just into oh, type A, type me, B, whatever.
1: So Myers-Briggs, you can actually pick it apart and describe it in terms of the big five.
0: So it really is just going to correlate to what, like this personality correlates more to just like where they scored on the scale, basically. You
1: could say like, for example, I've heard, I'm not sure if this is true 100%, but like the S in in the Myers-Briggs, that that dimension is basically just a mix of a couple of the big five yeah Um, agreeableness neuroticism and conscientiousness so do these like do how you got how you sorted into these
0: different like different big five like does it does it matter on a scale of like how well you should be able to do at work
1: absolutely you think it actually does no it's it's proven proven that it actually does. So, a note about saying the word prove. If you're in your first couple of years of psych, they will tell you to avoid that completely. Never say prove. Everything is still an open question. It's science. You might get disconfirming results. Okay, once you get past the third year of psych, you start learning about these things called meta-analyses. What meta-analyses do is they take in 100 to 200, 300 studies, lump all their subjects together, and come up with a conclusion. So now you're coming up with a conclusion that is like 30,000 people strong, you can apply that to the rest of the world with like 99% sure. Yeah, because so y- well. you've got a big enough test group that it's, it's, it should make sense. It's enormous. So that's what happens with conscientiousness. Conscientiousness is one of the big five, and it's your it has two aspects. One is orderliness, mm-hmm. how you know neat and tidy you are, and industriousness, which is how high you set the bar for yourself, how hard are you willing to work. These two predict work performance, um, and it's a correlation, right? Yeah. But I guess I can't say proven because we haven't done experiments where we take some of people's conscientiousness away. But we have such an overwhelming amount of data. Yeah. That suggests that like these people who scored high on
0: this, like ultimately like do better to get
1: better ratings yeah
0: okay so i guess that leads into what i was going to ask next though is like what are the categories that would make you more successful in business as compared to like an artist or one just so people i guess could get a better like by looking at this could actually get a better idea of where they might fit in because i feel like that's
2: like a laborer or something yeah
0: like that's a big thing for people so like we talked about last time that people like don't necessarily especially at our age don't really know where they're going one way or the other like could they look at this and actually get a better idea of like what industry they might be better suited for
1: okay so um first off conscientiousness is the second biggest predictor of work performance behind guess what you got me what's the top what do you think
0: i honestly have to know wait what give me the big five Oh, it's not. No, it's not con- personality.
2: Orderliness and industrious. Is that what you said? That's conscientiousness. Right. It's conscientiousness. So, so what's what else is the other determining factor on whether they're work a, performance? Work performance.
1: The the biggest predictor of work performance. I don't know. It's intelligence. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, well, we, we probably scored pretty low on that <laughs> one, <though. laughs> So, conscientiousness is the second biggest predictor of work performance. And, uh, well, the biggest one out of personality.
0: Okay, so the big five, what are the categories that it tests? Like, what, what is it going to sort you into?
1: It doesn't sort you into any of them, you just get a level on each yeah, of them. Yeah, like a score, like, which what are the columns, or what are the big five? Extroversion, so you're either really shy or really outgoing. Uh-huh. Agreeableness, you're either kind of selfish and unempathetic or you're, you know, have a lot of empathy, uh, neuroticism, either you're really emotionally stable or you're really nervous and anxious, openness to experience, you're either close to new, new experiences or you're open to new experiences, and that's it, oh, conscientiousness, you're yeah. either rule-following, hard-working, or you're kind of a sloth and don't fall, don't clean up after yourself, so, you said for artists, openness to new experience is key? Yeah. Because it, it affects how you interpret your senses, like people with high openness feel things differently. It's more vivid, it's more poignant, more important to them to express themselves. And they also take ideas in better and they kind of play with them more in their head. Mm-hmm. So for artists, writers, openness is really important, but it's also really important for managers now. Yeah, Um, so what about leaders? Leaders, extroversion, if you're willing to lead the charge, if you're, you're willing to talk to people, if you're willing to take risks, extroversion helps you with that. But pretty much everything helps you as a leader. Emotional stability helps a lot. The opposite of neuroticism, that helps a lot because you're able to deal with crises better. And you're able to kind of mellow out the people around you okay
2: so I have a question yeah male and female are they different I mean uh, they're the same personality types correct like or does one score higher on certain things
1: more often than, than the other so not if you look at it from the big five level but if you go down one level or when you have ten aspects two for each one there is a difference. In assertiveness, which is an aspect of extroversion, males are more assertive than women when you measure them. Okay. And I think women are more agreeable than men overall. That's the Big Five level. I think women are more orderly. I don't think think I would disagree with any of that. So, but I think women are also more a little. uh, Don't make me say it. (laughs) Women are more. So this is neuroticism, not neurotic. Neurotic is when you go see the doctor and they check you out. Neuroticism you can live with.
0: (laughs) Well, because it's a person, it's a it's a factor though. Like everybody is on a a scale of neuroticism. Like it's just where the averages are. High, yeah.
1: It's just where the averages
0: are. No, so neurotic would say that you're really high. On, like all your stuff points to you being
1: like, so really a, high on that scale. That's what a personality disorder is. It's when you're so high or low on one of these that it's, yeah. you need to go see a doctor. Again. Like it overwhelms the other aspects. Yes. Okay. For example, being incredibly high in neuroticism, you might have OCD. So wouldn't that also,
0: I guess if what we're saying is that women tend to actually score differently
1: than men do in certain categories so there, that rate for depression is twice as high in women and because of how they personality might have something to do with that yeah but wouldn't i guess what i'm
0: trying to get at is wouldn't this mean that like men are better
1: suited for certain positions than women are like on a bigger on a larger scale depends you'd have to analyze what the position demands in terms of personality so that would be called a validation study and that's when you give the test to two different groups or however many different groups, and you figure out their performance, and if you can link, if you can say that men with higher assertiveness perform better in this role, and you can say it's truly a, a reflective of performance and not just the way the system set up, then you can legally use that measure. Okay, but if you, you can validate it if you can validate it, but you can still get sued because the law says that you can't discriminate based on based on protected right. groups. Yeah. Sex, gender, age, race, hmm. language, nationality. All right. So if we've I guess if we've decided that
0: by and large a lot of the times men and women they sometimes score differently on this, men trend one way, women trend another way, then on average. On average, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, average. Obviously, they're going to be outliers in all the categories. Right. And any one random person can score any different way Right. on this thing. Would, with men, because I've been curious about the whole alpha male and beta male thing, is it actually real? I don't buy into it because most of the time I get, you'll see it on the internet and people are either downing somebody or trying to build somebody up by saying, oh, no, bro, you got to be an alpha male or don't be a beta male. Like, you want to be... Like, alpha males often group like... That term is thrown like,
2: around so much
0: now. Don't be yeah, a beta. Yeah, like, you need to be a leader, and you need to be outgoing, and all this other stuff. Like, do you think there's any, like, truth
1: to any of that? Like, does it actually mean anything? So, the only psychologists that still make group of, groups of people like that are the clinical psychologists. And they need those so that they can treat different things as different illnesses with different... Symptoms, But for our uses, there's really no point to classifying alpha-meta versus beta male unless we wanted to do a study on them yeah. specifically. But then people would just use the universal language of the Big Five instead. And yeah. maybe just call it that in their paper, but they're really referring to the Big Five. Um, I would also say you'd have to define those terms yeah. or ask your internet friends to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that's one of the things that I like I've been
0: thinking about too. Like what does that actually mean? Like wh-
2: so if you score high on every five like of the five factors, you score high on all of them, is there like a term for that? So and would that not be We have a friend who,
1: did, who almost did that. Yeah, I pretty sure Matt this did Matt, that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, this guy Matt—he's just radiant, man. He just <laughs> exudes energy. Like he scored tippy top on everything, and average on openness to new experience. So he's a pharmacist. So like the part of him that would make him experience things really vividly and freshly isn't is average, and then everything else is just turned up to eleven. So there's no term for that though. No, there's not. But you wanna um, in practice, you might want to avoid people who are too high on certain measures. Like in, for example, Pepsi, um, they select their leaders based on ambitiousness, but they they only want to go up to ninety five percent in ambitiousness. They don't want to be too if if ambitious. They, if they hit a hundred. They don't people, want a coup going on in this yeah, company. If they hit a hundred, they start taking down other people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. So you don't you don't buy into the
1: whole alpha and beta male thing. Like, there's no way to really quantify it. it also, I did some of my studies next to social psychologists. And mm-hmm. I, I got to learn a little bit about what's going on with them. You know, there's a whole other layer. They'd probably be asking questions like, why are we using these, ter- these terms in the first place? Yeah. Like, what is it actually reflective of? What is the historical, the socio-historical background behind these terms? Why do people feel like, And there's that day and age that they have to classify themselves in those terms. Or that one is better than the other. Right. Okay. So if I'm,
2: I'm not saying I am, but just if someone... But he's saying if he's a beta male. No, I'm going totally (laughs) different here. So if I'm somebody and I feel like, you know, this is the path I want to take, but then I, you know, find out I'm scored on a level that, you know, I guess would say I'm not suited to go down that path, is there a way I can change my personality to be better suited, you know, to go down that that path. So
1: personality won't keep you out of anything. Probably not. Um, you can still do it, but you can change your personality. It just takes years. So it's it's like a mindset change. It it starts as it starts as that, then attitude, behavior, thoughts. So do you have to go to a psychologist? <laughs> no, they they would they would make so much money off of you. They would just probably deal with your feelings of inadequacy. (laughs) But you're saying it would need to be,
0: like you would have to change your whole perception and everything to the point where it is actually automatic, you answering questions this way, instead of it like you consciously trying to make yourself do it that way. Yeah. Because it needs to be like a totally subconscious thing.
1: Yeah. So personality changes as you age. There are certain critical periods in your development where um, kind of it either changes direction or is formed. So it's formed at six years old, basically your experiences, plus your genetic dispositions combined to form who you're gonna be for most of your life, at least 80% of it, most of it. And then from then on, your experiences add up to a lot less, but it's still changing in a very obvious pattern in most people. Um, they tend to be a lot different than their parents at this time. But then what most people will find uh between 22 and 28 is that they become their parents and that's because their personality is changing a lot in different directions extroversion tends to go down agreeableness tends to go up neuroticism tends to go down consciousness goes up and openness to new experiences goes down so you kind of have this ramp down where you're a little bit less exploratory and a lot more stable and it coincides with when most people start to feel like they have their shit figured out in life.
2: I want to go back. You said, so when, when you're a young, you know, two, three, four, is that just an innate thing? Like getting that personality? Or is that just from the experiences or
1: your parents? How you, just life? Or is it innate? So I've talked to a psychologist recently who says you might have personality in the womb. Before anything has happened to you, you're just wired a certain way. Um, and they were talking about depression now, some people are wired to be a little bit more neurotic, and in the womb, they're already feeling stress. So, there's nothing they can even do about that, those types of people? Of course, there is. Everyone's gonna have a different result, and you can have things that, you know, lead to better results. For example, a stable home environment, or, you know, parents who listen to their kids and teach them how to talk about their emotions. This is more on the clinical side. Um, But, you know, generally, stress-free environment will be helpful for those people. It's it's not like there are people who are born doomed. There may be, but it's very few. Gotcha. So
0: what would you say, like, a successful...
1: Person's personality type would look like. It really is no type. I mean, you obviously want as much conscientiousness as possible and as little neuroticism as possible. But you can go too far in those. Some con- some overly conscientious people tend to be really sticklers about rules and can't really learn new behaviors. And some overly emotionally stable stable people kind of detach from life. And don't really feel anything. So I'm actually extremely high in emotional stability. And, like, I've felt excited maybe, like, ten times in my life. Like, I just, they're just emotions I don't feel. Um, most of them negative. Like, I just, I'm unfazed most of the time. And it's fucking awesome in some ways. But then I might not get that kick in the ass I I need sometimes. Yeah that was kind of part of my self-search then I need to do this test on me because I need to learn some stuff about myself as well we can do it I have a much nicer test than I did back then good
2: I'm game so So, what what would you say a winning personality is
1: so people like people who are very extroverted by winning um, I'm assuming you mean someone who is very likable yeah so someone who's very agreeable very extroverted Um, very emotionally stable conscientiousness probably doesn't matter openness probably doesn't matter but if you have someone who's warm and coming up to you and doesn't seem to cause a lot of drama I think you're gonna get someone who's very popular so I mean would we equate popularity
0: to being a winning personality I mean I guess in certain stages of life popularity is gonna matter more one way or the other I mean if you're the the boss already, then
2: I guess it doesn't really matter how popular you are because you're already the boss, right? Well, th- yeah, does that matter? Should a,
1: should your boss have a winning personality? I think a lot of people, and this is more of my, my graduate studies, will say that your boss, it's the number one thing that makes the most difference in your job. I think that's what current research says, is your boss. And I think if your boss is warm, empathetic, and chill, you're gonna rate them higher on the survey
2: yeah no I mean I guess I can see that so as an employee what would you say like the overarching like personality type that I guess is agreeableness or I mean I guess in some instances no you don't want to be agreeable no
1: I mean if you're negotiating a lot or if you're uh, if you have to fire people or you know if you're a corporate raider all that all those things might hurt you or if you're a Wall Street trader you might you might spend too much energy trying to make friends and not cover your ass or not get on top of others like you should it depends on the industry and I mean we're totally leaving out blue-collar workers yeah. um, people in the military um, there's research on them too um, and like I said before intelligence it's the number one factor for most of these jobs but it matters more for more complex jobs
0: yeah the more complex the job the more complex the profile you would need to be successful
1: Right. And that's also sometimes where openness to ideas might come in a little more. For example, if you're a professor or an engineer or, you know, an Apple designer, you would also have to be kind of creative and really smart. So you kind of get these mixes of personality and intelligence. That's also something interested. I studied. Um, There are two types of intelligence. You have crystallized intelligence, which is what you know and you have fluid intelligence, which is what you can work with. And then depending on the mix of personality types personality traits you have, that's how much you use your fluid intelligence to get more crystallized intelligence. Man, you were just spitting out information. I'm loving it.
2: <laughs> like I'm learning over here and I enjoy it. Okay, so I guess
0: now that we've looked at it in a like professional setting, like do you think that these play into a social setting? Like what are there would one personality makeup be better suited for another person? Like if you're looking to date somebody or something like that. Like would how their profile is set out, would that be
2: would it matter? Like to how your profile is set? Like out? should that be a topic on your first date, you know, like what are your personality types? How do you rate on this? Right. So
1: I think just just from this lecture From this talk, (laughs) you'll be able to tell people's personality a little bit better. Yeah. Once you're aware of the categories there are, it's really it's a huge advantage to have five categories over a hundred, and you're not worried about all the different implications of the other scales. Um, But you can't really say one personality is better for another, better than another for unless it's for a specific context. And in, in dating. The rule is generally the closer they are to your personality the better but there are also things that help like having higher agreeableness and lower neuroticism because you don't want two super low agreeable high neurotic people together because they're just going to be screeching at each other the whole time so they're it's kind of how it is but from my own experience i dated a girl who was very close to me in personality we were both very high on emotional stability and it went great it was really you know i consider this a relationship of success i'm not with her anymore but
2: <laughs> does that make it hard for you to date having all this knowledge in your head that yes
1: <laughs> absolutely i shut people down so fast because i can tell that they're not a good fit for me yeah and i don't want to be around this dummy
2: over here <laughs>
1: <laughs> does that play into your friend groups as well like when you're choosing who do you want to hang out with actually no i i tend to pick I People, if I get a good feeling about them, that's what I go with. Um, and I can tell some people that are trying to... Who are naturally nice. And people who are just kind of pretending to be nice. Or people who are naturally outgoing or just pretending to be outgoing. It's You can t- kind of tell um, whether they're playing a persona or not. Because, you know, I don't know. Personality isn't just how someone interacts with you it's also their behaviors the whole time um like if someone is super nice to you but they show up late they don't bring something they leave you know they leave a mess we've got friends like that you know then then they're, maybe they're not that nice or consider it and you can't really depend you wouldn't really expect them to do that for you later so i'm like i kind of have them pegged as maybe not that agreeable and it's not that I don't have friends that aren't agreeable. I have tons of friends that aren't agreeable. And it can be a joy because they'll tell you exactly what the fuck is on their mind. And that's
2: fr- that's fresh sometimes because some people are just scared to speak what's on their mind. And it's yeah. fresh to hear the honest truth.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, like I said, I really don't feel negative emotions. So it's like...
2: <laughs> you can piss them off and it
1: would be totally fine. Yeah. yeah.
2: Huh. So at the end of all this... Does personality type really, really matter in the grand scheme of things? Like, is it something we should actually pay attention to? I mean, I, I guess I would assume yes, it's something we should pay attention to. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, I don't
0: know. I, th- I would look at it and be like, yeah, if I scored high and all this stuff, we should definitely pay attention to it. But then if I scored low in certain categories that I felt like, yeah, man, I'm – conscientious or intelligent or whatever but then the test reflected differently then I, of course I would want to say no I don't agree with yeah, that. Yeah I feel
2: like there would be a lot of naysayers and just like this is a load of crap I'm not going to listen to this. I, I see it as kind of like your height or your weight but you're stuck with it. Might as well know it. I mean like you said it is science.
1: Yeah. It's, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean and you're also trying to like assign a value to different you're also trying to assign a different value to different personality levels. And it's there's nothing wrong with being a shy introvert. There's nothing wrong with being low agreeableness. What really determines whether you're a quality person is quality behaviors. You know, being authentic, being genuine, those are more, that's separate from personality. Like your values, your manners, your behaviors, your personality kind of puts you down a certain path but there's still free will that lets you choose how you conduct yourself around other people
2: well Alex do you have any any other questions for for Rodrigo I mean I'm extraordinarily overwhelmed with all this information <laughs>
0: I definitely think that before the next one we take this test and then because well I think our next topic is going to be um, like success in the workplace and like trying to like a lot of people our age are they don't know what industry they're going into and how to like what the mobility looks like. For Our that next kind of topic thing. with
2: Rod, because he has a plethora of information and we want to pick his brain on a lot of topics.
0: Yeah, I think that it'd be cool to like look at how we actually score on this stuff, and have Rod tell us where he thinks we should go and see whether or not that lines up with what we're actually doing. Yeah. Though I think that makes a lot of sense.
2: Well, Rod, is there anything else, any important information other than yeah, what here's you've your covered, plug, Rod? Oh, um, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for joining us. I've yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Learned a lot, and I hope the listeners learned a thing or two. Or they're either more confused <laughs> one way or the other. <laughs> All right, well, with that, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time.